0: tasmai Shri Good evening everyone. We will continue discussing this evening the Bhagavat Sandarbha of Srila Jiva Goswami. Jiva has taken us to the point where we'll begin tonight. He's given us an example of the revelation by pointing out what Brahma had to say of what he experienced, how he's going forward from there to specifically give the characteristics of that supreme absolute truth, which can be appreciated differently according to the mood of worship. So he began in the 11th Anacheda characteristics of Bhagavan are inherent. They are not coming from anything external. They are his very self. That was in the 11th Anacheda. And then in the next three Anuchetas, 12, 13, and 14, he explained the fact that those inherent qualities of the Supreme, of the Absolute Truth, can be mutually conflicting and that's incomprehensible in a certain way from the vantage point of one within the material realm. But he explained that there's no other way for us to look at the quite obvious contradictions in those inherent qualities of the Supreme. For example, Maya inflicts the threefold miseries, Baudic, adi Adidaivik, and that potency is coming from the Supreme. And also coming from the Supreme is the shroop Shakti. And that shroop Shakti stands in direct opposition to misery. It's the source of all joyfulness. The Supreme Absolute has inherent contradictory potencies. So that was three Anachetas. It was a pretty thorough discussion. And this evening we go on to the fact that Bhagavan's potencies are inconceivable. We know they're illogical from our viewpoint, because sometimes they can be contradictory. Now we go forward to the fact that they are inconceivable from our viewpoint. So he's going to highlight that, and he begins in the 15th Anujada with a prayer of Devahuti, from the third canto, to Lord Kapila Dev. Jiva Goswami says, These energies are inconceivable, as Devahuti says to Kapila Dev. Quote, You are the guide and regulator of the living beings and possessor of thousands of inconceivable potency. Jiva goes on, The meaning is clear, and two sutras from the Brahma Sutra, Vedanta Sutra, Brahma Sutra, also state that Bhagavan's energies are inconceivable. That'll be the 27th and 28th Sutra, so 2, one, twenty-seven and 28. The Vedas state that the Lord is free from defects and can be understood only by Sabda. The other quote from the Vedanta Sutra, from the Brahma Sutra, is variegated energies exist inherently in Him. So this is a an introduction to the subject, a simple introduction. Uh, in the next Anucheta, there's a very, very comprehensive look at the fact that potencies of the Lord are inconceivable. So some interesting things from what's said in this anucheta. The only way we are going to be able to comprehend these inconceivable potencies is by subda, transcendental sound vibration. Earlier, when we were talking about the contradictory nature of the Lord's inherent potencies. It was made quite clear that within our jurisdiction, within the modes of material nature, even if we acquire the topmost position available to us, and that would be a position situated in, in Sattva if we can rise ourselves up to Sattva then we can have a clear perspective of what's happening in the world around us. But that clearer perspective, when it comes to understanding the Supreme Absolute Truth, and we like to add the Personality of Godhead, but we will notice in this in the next Annocheta that Jiva Goswami will stick to the nomenclature of the verses that he uses to substantiate his point regarding the inconceivable potencies of the Supreme. Here we use the nomenclature which corresponds with that evidence that he's going to present to us. And that is mostly Brahman. He's approaching it from a very unique position. He's not saying God has inconceivable potencies. He has a bit of an agenda here. He wants to show to those that accept the Advaitavad, of Sankaracharya, that it's actually the Brahman that has potencies. Your philosophy is wrong. And here you will be able to see through my evidences, through the slokas that I'm going to use as evidence, that again and again, Shastra, Sabda, sound vibration, transcendent sound vibration, is referring to The supreme is Brahman, and then delineating that Brahman's inherent potencies. So back to the point we were making about how far can we apprehend the supreme absolute truth within our realm. And we can only, through knowledge, take ourselves to the level of sattva, but not Transcendental sattva. Our sattva here is always going to be mixed. There's always going to be a little a little sand and a little dirt in our sattva sweet rice. Beaning there will always be a little rajas. Maybe I should use a spice, salt. <laughs> salt and dirt. Thomas, inertness, nothing, uh, in the sattva goon. So all we can do in this realm is We can come up to appreciating the Supreme. We can infer that the Supreme Absolute Truth would have to be like this based on the fact that we're like that. And Jiva Goswami uses the example of, well, we can understand that we are under the influence of the modes of material nature. We didn't create the situation that we're in So we can infer that somebody else, first of all, had to arrange for this environment where we're under the control of the modes of material nature and suffering due to the miseries of our body and our mind, other living entities, and the environment itself. We call that higher authority, adi-divik. We can't stop the thunderstorm. We cannot stop the frost. We'd like to at times. Tornadoes, mosquitoes. So we can apprehend some of the potencies of the Supreme. We can infer certain things. If he made this situation that we're in, he must be above it, in control of it. That's as far as regular goodness can take us. So here, in quoting from the Vedanta Sutra, what Sri Jiva Goswami is showing, if you want to know about these inconceivable potencies of the Supreme Absolute Truth, you can only know about them, not by inference, because your inference is based on your environment and your environment is a mixed modes of material nature which will never give you perfect apprehension of the transcendental realm. You have to hear of that realm. It has to be descending knowledge, Subda Brahman. The eternal sound revelation that is prior to the cosmos and without human origin, a Purushaya. We also heard that these various energies can act in opposition to each other. Jivas points out, well, this does not defy reason. They can work in opposition to one another, but our understanding of them can't be acquired by logic alone. It has to be Subta We have to submit to that higher sound vibration to be able to understand even the contradictory nature of these various intrinsic potencies of the Supreme Absolute." The huti in saying this prayer, you are the guide and regulator of the living entities and possessor of thousands of inconceivable potencies. She's a little bit bewildered. How did I become the mother of the Supreme Absolute Everything? It's inconceivable to me His energies, he's made the cosmos. He's made me, he's made everything I see. And now he's enlightening me with the transcendental knowledge of a whole other sphere where there's pure sattva and where there's an atmosphere free of the suffering that I'm used to in this world. And this personality came from my womb He has to have inconceivable, unlimited potencies to pull all that off. I've just heard what he said to me and I can't even begin just to comprehend what he's saying in enlightening me and bringing me to the stage of self-realization. It's overwhelming. So everything that I've seen in this world and everything he's telling me about in that world and the fact that he's my son this defies all logic some would say that this defying of logic would make one a little apprehensive of this knowledge that god is a person and god can manifest himself anywhere and everywhere could be a myth could be mythology it's for that reason that jiva's quoted this verse from the vedanta sutra that you have to hear and you have to hear this Subhita Brahman from the devotee if you don't hear from the devotee it will not have the ability for your heart to be receptive enough to understand that it is not a myth it's important that even you hear subdebrahman you have to hear from a bona fide source. Otherwise, there is the chance that you'll think that Brahman entails a greater completion than Bhagavan. The concept of Brahman entails a, a more complete presentation of what is the absolute truth. That's where the devotee comes in and he explains to us this sound vibration according to the deepest understanding. Of course, for the Brahmavadi, he also has his guru who's teaching him according to a different understanding. Jiva Goswami is not from that school. A little support for what we've just discussed. Of course, we can go back to the Tatvasandarbha, and Anuched is 9 through 11 where Jiva Goswami began by explaining that Sabda Brahman is the Brahman. It is the actual verifiable evidence that we have to become accustomed to. Now he quotes from the Mundaka Upanishad. The Lord is splendorous, inconceivable, and the greatest. Yet he is smaller than the smallest. He is near and far off as well. Indeed, he resides in the heart of the realized being. Contradictory. But all contradictions are resolved because of his residence. His residence is in the heart of a realized soul. That's really significant for us. Because sometimes these potencies of the Supreme, they're mysterious and they're mystical. Even in the world of man, we have mysterious and mystical things that we cannot explain. We have healers in the world who can cure you simply by mantra. That's amazing. If you take the physician to the healer and he he watches, he observes that I guess you would call the mystic simply healing by, by mantra all of a sudden the tuberculosis is gone and the doctor says this is not possible but the evidence speaks in opposition to his direct observation the empirical knowledge that he's experienced we can go even to the scientific realm where light acts not only as a wave but also as a particle. And there's also some empirical things that uh, were brought up by Shachar Narayan Das Babaji in his commentary. They happen in everyday life, but they don't make logical sense. When you freeze water, it expands. Take it down to four degrees Celsius and the water gets bigger. If you're looking for the heaviest metal that's available on this planet, it's a liquid. Mercury is heavier than all the other metals. A point has no dimension. But if you put a bunch of points together, it has a length. One part has no length, but a sum of parts has that quality of length. Because something is inexplicable and inconceivable does not mean that it should be dismissed as impossible. And that's from Baladev Vidyabhusha. Now we'll go forward to the next Anocheta, 16. Bhagavan's energies are intrinsic, inconceivable. And now we go to the fact that they're intrinsic. They are part of his nature. Jiva Goswami, he just begins by quoting a discussion between King Nimi and uh, the sage people Ayana from the 11th canto, 3rd chapter. It is Brahman alone that appears as both cause and effect and is yet beyond them both. Though one in the beginning, it first manifests as the inactive state of the three gunas of Sattva, Rajas, and Thomas. As it involves further, this Brahman is called Sutra, the state of primordial nature, when first destabilized, becoming active, Mahat. The first modification of primordial nature as the cosmic intellect and Ahankara, modification of the cosmic intellect into the individual I principle by which the jiva identifies with matter. Brahman thus exhibits its great potencies in the form of cognitions, actions, objects and consequences. So jiva has a purpose here as we touched upon in presenting this as his evidence regarding the intrinsic nature of the Absolute Truth's inherent potencies in referring to the Supreme as Brahman. Didn't doesn't refer to the Supreme as Narayan or as Krishna or even as Vishnu in any one of his Purusha manifestations, Karna Vishnu. Kashira daksavishnu, Garba Vishnu. He refers, Piplana refers to the Supreme as Brahman, and he says this Brahman appears as both cause and effect, and yet is beyond them both. And then he goes through showing how the manifestation of the material cosmos evolves from the state of Pradhana, which is inactive, inert, neutral, equalized, no agitation there, to the next state when it becomes destabilized and that's referred to as Sutra. Once it be- begins to be destabilized it gradually becomes active the modes of material nature begin to manifest, and that's referred to Mahat, a cosmic intellect. And from there, then we go on to the I principle, and the modification of the cosmic intellect into the principle, I principle, individual I principle, by which the Jiva identifies with matter. And then that matter begins to take form. Although it's awkward, these translations are going to be presented in this Anucheda, according to the way they are in the Praman that's quoted. When the verse uses the term Tat, tat twamasi then that's going to be referred to as Praman, even though it's full of potencies. As I said, Jiva has a point here. The translations that we'll be working from will be used in the terminology of Brahman and Parabrahman. So, Brahman is inherently in, self-endowed with great potencies, Uru Shakti. Let's just take an overview of those potencies, how they manifest. There's external, Vaibhava, grossly manifest as the effect in the form of material cosmos. So his potencies are evident in the material cosmos, subtly manifest as the cause of primordial nature. So there's external material nature, the substance of the material nature, both subtle and gross. Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego being as subtle. They also manifest these potencies of the Supreme as internal potencies the Vaikuntha atmosphere, which we call Visuddha Sattva, pure consciousness, purity, independent of any influence of Rajasatamas, and the pure living entities. Pure living entities are in that atmosphere also. Now we get even more technical, so we'll just kind of walk through these things. They're exciting, interesting. Pipalayana is explaining the forms of Brahman's manifestations. So how does Brahman manifest his various shaktis? These potencies are intrinsic and fully dependent upon Brahman, for nothing else existed before their manifestation. Brahman is both the material cause and support. So after hearing this, it's important that we go back and review so we can see the importance of is presenting this part of the philosophy regarding Bhagavan, Brahmaiti, Paramatmaiti, Bhagavaniti, Subjate. He's explaining the characteristics of Bhagavan. So he's explained the contradictories, he's explained what it's like if you realize Bhagavan directly, his intrinsic nature, like Brahma did. Now he's going on to explain. The characteristics, all the energies, all the shaktis of Bhagavan are himself, they're intrinsic in him. They're not coming from outside. So he's making this point, but he's making it by using this discussion from the Srimad Bhagavatam between Pipalayana and King Nimi. Let's summarize, what do we mean by the Advaitavad of Sankaracharya? What are the tenets of that philosophy? Which Jiva Goswami is refuting by using this example from the Bhagavatam as his evidence as to the intrinsic Shaktis of the Supreme Absolute Truth. What is their philosophy? Their philosophy as Brahman is independent of attributes or energies. Nothing can be said about it. It's 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 just pure spirituality. It can't have a characteristic or it loses its place in their conception of pure spirituality. It can't have any attributes or energies. If there is a manifestation of that Supreme Brahman as what you're referring to as Bhagavan, that manifestation is not eternally true. It has to be a temporary imposition that you are applying to the supreme Brahman. That Bhagavan can be looked at as simply a reflection of Brahman in Maya or it can be looked on as Brahman with some limitation, upadi, some imposition on it created by your ignorance. Because there can't be a Bhagavan in the purest sense of what is Brahman, their purest sense. Their conclusion is, the worship of Bhagavan is for those who don't have the qualification to understand Nirguna Brahman. If you can't comprehend Brahman independent of the gunas of material nature, then you can worship this false conception of Bhagavan. What is doing, he's saying, this philosophy is in direct contradiction to the Bhagavatam, the Bhagavat theology. Of course, Jiva's conclusion it is essential if you want, want to understand God, you have to understand his potencies and the relationship with him. Otherwise, your understanding will be incomplete. It's very important that we see what Jiva is trying to tell us here. A vital and basic element of our understanding of the Supreme Absolute Truth, the Personality of Godhead, is that we understand all of His various potencies and energies are Him. They don't come from any external source. Everything is Vedanti Tat Tat Vavidas tatvam Vav Yajjanam Advayam There is nothing that is not that non-dual substance. But we have to understand the terminology that the Gaudiya Vaishnavas adopted in relationship to the fullest understanding of the Supreme Absolute Truth, that terminology came through Srila Jiva Goswami, a chinta, inconceivable, beta, beta tatva, simultaneously alike and difference. Krishna is those potencies, but it's inconceivable how that can happen. You're not going to be able to conceive it with your limited logic and mental abilities. That doesn't mean you're not going to be able to fully understand it by hearing from Sub to Brahman, from an authorized source. That in itself sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? This is very basic. If you want to understand God, you you need to understand everything that you're experiencing is, in essence, God. And it isn't God. And once you can understand that everything is... He is in close proximity to every one of his energies nothing separated from him and his potencies although they can completely overwhelm us they cannot overwhelm him nor can they act independent of him of brahman let's go back to the terminology Jeeva's used using this area just to honor the point he's trying to make all of these different potencies they work together in harmony And any apparent imperfection that we may see in those potencies is simply due to our angle of vision. From his angle of vision, everything is perfect. And the Vedas, the Upanishads, they stand in support of that. Om Purnam Purnamidam. We can also use a little prabhan from experience. We know without a doubt that we exist. We can't claim that we don't. Nor do we have experience of our conscious existence extinguishing. We cannot point to a time where we did not exist. This implies, just being able to perceive this, implies that the Supreme's energies, they're not imaginary. You can't say you don't exist. You can't say, like the Mayavadis say, well, it's all just an imagination. It doesn't reckon with the reality which is your existence. The Advaita bodies, the followers of Sankaracharya, are saying the energies of the Supreme are simply an imagination. They're a false imposition on Brahman. But what need is there for imaginary energies? Why does the Supreme need imaginary energies? There's an interesting example. If you have cows, do you really need to dream about drinking milk? It's a logical presentation to try to get us to wrap our minds around this concept that these energies do exist. And we can know that they exist simply based on our empirical experience that we exist. And there's never a time that we can point to any of our existence under any influence of the energies that influence our consciousness where that existence is not there. Whether it be Rajas, Thomas, whether it be sleep, deep sleep. So a little evidence here to support these points from the Bhagavad Gita. Tenth chapter, one of the core verses of the Gita. I'm the source of all spiritual and material worlds. Everything emanates from me. The wise who know this perfectly engaged in my deser- devotional service and worshipped me with all their hearts. I alone existed bef- before all this creation when there was nothing else, neither cause nor effect, even when there was no manifestation and you were in deep, deep sleep. didn't affect me. After the creation takes place, all this is also I. And in the end, I alone will remain. Now, that verse is, is the Chakra Sloki of the Srimad Bhagavatam, one of the four core verses. Sri Jiva Goswami uses the term Brahman rather than Bhagavan to show that the potencies are inherent in Brahman. Since potencies are inherent, The potent feature of the absolute truth is Bhagavan. The point being made here is when we look to this terminology, it's not a concept, it's a terminology for the absolute truth, it can be called Brahman. So that Brahman, that supreme spiritual energy, is truly the cause and effect of the material manifestation. It is all Brahman. we will be continuing next class in the fact that these potencies are intrinsic to the Supreme. So are there any questions? Thank you so much for your association. Hare Krishna.